trapping. Trap, trap, you can get them on your asking. Ask. I mean the chickens, you can get them whichever way, nigga. Trap turns Zaxby's. I beat the pot with a passion. Beat it up on the echoes on the mansion. Hello and welcome to The Greatest Show on Grass, a podcast that covers the Los Angeles Rams in light of the team's history. I'm your host, Joshua Newman. The past week, Sean McVay hired Matt LaFleur as offensive coordinator, replacing Rob Boris and completing the Rams' new coaching staff. So we thought we'd devote an entire episode to the men who will be leading the Rams into battle in 2017. They consist of Greg Olson, who uh, replaces Chris Wanky as quarterback coach, Aaron Cromer, who becomes the offensive line coach, replacing Paul Boudreau. He'll be assisted by holdover Andy Dickerson, and uh, Cromer's son, Zach, will also be the offensive quality control guy. Uh, Eric Yarber from UCLA becomes uh, the wide receivers coach, replacing Mike Groh. Uh, he'll also be assisted by Zach Taylor. Shane Waldron will coach the tight ends. Um, Skip Pete become, uh, will stay as the running back uh, coach as per Todd Gurley's request. Uh, and John Fossil uh, will stay as special teams coach. Um, the big hiring, of course. Wade Phillips becomes uh, the man on the defensive side of the ball, replacing Greg Williams. Bill Johnson comes over uh, from the Saints to replace Mike Waffle as the defensive line coach. His son, Billy, is also a scout with the Rams, so it becomes a family affair. Aubrey Pleasant is uh, the defensive backs coach. Um, and uh, Eero Evero will coach the safeties. Um, Joe Barry comes over from the Washington Redskins with Sean McVay as linebackers coach replacing Frank Bush, and he'll be assisted by Chris Shula, grandson of Don Shula. Uh, Chris Shula was also Sean McVay's college roommate at Miami of Ohio. Uh, and finally, Thad Bogardus uh, comes over to the, from the Broncos uh, to do defensive quality control. He'll work with Wade Phillips again. Um, what do we think of these guys? Uh, how might they shift the culture of the team? And how might they impact the direction of free agency in the draft? Um, what light can history share in these hirings? These are just a few of the questions we'll be discussing this week with Brian Kalbrowski, the managing editor of USA Today's Ramswire. Welcome, Brian. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Brian, which hiring are you uh, most excited about? Uh, obviously, Sean McVay uh, was able to do a lot of great things and attract a very uh, a diverse set of talent from the entire group that he hired. Uh, I know that when he first got hired, a lot of people wanted to work with him. Um, I was very excited about the fact that uh, Sean was able to get a bunch of uh, wisdom uh, from Wade Phillips, basically having a more experienced coach who's you know, coached in Super Bowls and has been a head coach, so he's not walking into this blindly. Um, it's not exactly uh, one hire in particular that's making me most excited, but rather the fact that we have four candidates who have uh, been offensive coordinators or are qualified to be offensive coordinators, whereas last year, I'd say with a defensive-minded head coach, we probably had zero, mm -hmm. considering Rob Boris proved to be not much more than a tight ends coach. Yep. Uh, so now we have Cromer, who's been an offensive coordinator before. Uh, we have Lafleur, who... Uh, 
has done incredible things with Matt Ryan, who Jared Goff has received many comparisons to in the past. And um, Sean McVay, who was obviously uh, a, a great offensive coordinator in Washington, given what he was able to do with Kirk Cousins and uh, redeeming that team a little bit after uh, the RG3 experiment didn't really work out very well. And um, also uh, with Reg Olson, who has been offensive coordinator for the Rams before. And I uh, got a ton of productivity from uh, the wide receivers and the quarterback. So we sort of have four uh, guys who know how to run an offense for Jared Goff and Todd Gurley, who is kind of a young duo uh, in the backfield, uh, rather than arguably zero. Was was Sean McVay someone you had your eye on going into the offseason? Was that one of your, your favorites for... Uh, the moment that I learned that Sean McVay was a candidate, when the first kind of grumblings on Twitter came about, I texted uh, our lead writer saying that he's my my pick. Um, I I liked Kyle Shanahan, but as we're, we're seeing right now, is you know the Rams were able to kind of get starting with the ball rolling a little bit earlier, um, attract people who uh, you know were looking for jobs to get hired immediately, um, and you know I really wanted an offensive minded coach, so. I didn't think that Josh McDaniels was leaving New England. Um, if I were in McDaniels' position, I wouldn't want to taint my legacy any more than I already have, both with uh, the Rams before and also when he was a head coach, um, both relatively unsuccessful experiments. So if I were McDaniels, I'd sort of think that I was in line for the head coach job when, if and when Bill Belichick ever retires. Um, so I didn't think that McDaniels was leaving, so I figured it was pretty much between Shanahan and... Um, McVeigh. So the moment I kind of realized McVeigh was an option, I, I wanted him because he's young, brings a good energy and uh, fresh mind. And the snow uh, seemed to have something to do with this hiring of all, you know, you don't expect the snow to play into uh, the fate of uh, the LA Rams franchise, but uh, the Rams uh, hiring committee was in Boston to interview uh, McDaniels and Matt Patricia and Matt Patricia, the defensive coordinator uh, snow kept the team from going to Atlanta uh, the next day. They were snowed in, and they never got a chance to talk to to Kyle Shanahan. Um, one of the things that disturbed I wonder if, how you felt about this, the Rams deciding to retain less need, and also in, but in a kind of very gray area, he might be in our plans, he might not be in our plans, but yet allowing him to participate in the head coach uh, search um, was he going to cast a vote for a head coach that came with a GM like say John Lynch? Right. Um, from what I had read, uh, the the move with Les Snead was that he would help, as you said, uh, find the coach. But then he would be one the one uh, who could potentially be replaced if the coach didn't want a GM. That was always the plan for the Rams. Right. And so, I'm, I guess I'm saying that seems like right, a really seems, strange plan. Yeah. Isn't, doesn't it compromise, in a sense, the process because the coaching candidates know this um, and they might not want uh, less need to be their player personnel guy, um, even if, it, if they are doing it in tandem and there's a sort of shared sense of responsibilities the way there was with with Jeff Fisher it seems yeah I mean I think given recent draft history although Fisher took credit for the Jared Goff trade after he left um, I don't know how desirable of a job it really would be for someone with a bigger name um, 
some fear that Sean McVay might be a little bit of a puppet to, to uh, Les Snead. Um, I, I don't really have that same qualm. I feel as if um, Sean McVay, you know, has grown up around football uh, with his grandfather being a general manager for the San Francisco 49ers and, and winning Super Bowls and being around that culture for long enough that I think he understands um, the general nature of what it takes to, to kind of be your own person in this league. Um, and I think, you know, given the experience that he brought in with Joe Barry and with Wade Phillips, who have both had coordinator positions, um, same sort of deal while on offense with the guys I mentioned earlier, there's going to be a lot of different personalities that'll be making a lot of personnel decisions. Um, that'll be, I think, a lot wiser than what the Rams were doing before, uh, with a little bit more of an inexperienced staff in terms of, uh, especially offense, and that's kind of where the Rams have made their worst decisions from a personal perspective. It's funny. It's funny. You know, we've got this 30, 30 now 31-year-old coach joining the team, uh, youngest head coaching hire in, probably in, in at least the modern yeah. NFL. And a couple of writers have pointed out um, not the youngest uh, head coach in NFL history. Uh, that d- dubious distinction goes to Art Pappy Lewis, um, who actually coached the Cleveland Rams briefly. We'll be talking a little bit about him uh, on our next episode. Um, But it does remind me a lot of the team that Dick Vermeil brought in um, to coach the greatest show on turf. Um, A bunch of guys with head coaching experience, a bunch of guys with coordinator experience coaching positions instead of coordinating an entire unit. Um, and, um, you know, it's a very complicated and imprecise science to evaluate whether a coaching hire is a good hire. I mean, because lots of times people are just judging coaches by the performance of units they've coached before, but you don't know if they have anything to do with that success. success. You don't know if they were holding back that success, um, and vice versa, just because they're coaching a, a poor unit doesn't mean they weren't coaching them up from from where they maybe should have been. But I like uh, the experience um, that he's brought with him. Uh, he seems like a very honest guy, um, which is, I think, a sea change um, from what we've experienced a little bit with Fisher. Um, I'm wondering about things you hope will improve under Sean McVay and this coaching unit, and also the things that you hope don't get worse. I think the first big fear um, uh, from every serious Los Angeles Rams fan when you heard when we heard that Fisher was gone was like, wow, we have a good defense. <laughs> like, <sighs> be careful what you wish for, you know, we could get worse next year. Um, and I think that's part of the reason we were so relieved and probably why the tandem of Sean McVay and Wade Phillips was so appealing so early to this brain trust. So my question is things you hope will, uh, we'll start with improve um, under this new Rams regime. And then we'll talk about things that you hope don't get worse. Yeah. I mean, sort of speaking to Wade Phillips uh, right off the bat, just cause it's the last thing I heard. Um, I thought it was, relatively obvious that he was going to bring Wade Phillips. It was sort of a package deal, uh, much like Anthony Lynn had um, over also in LA with the Chargers now uh, with his defensive coordinator. Um, So one thing that I thought was, you know, especially obvious with it was that 
uh, Sean McVay had such a good relationship with Wes Phillips in Washington, and that's how they initially made the connection. In fact, I was actually pretty surprised that Wes Phillips didn't come over to join the staff in some way as well. Um, I, th- I imagine he probably wanted to be an offensive coordinator, and I think LaFleur just makes more sense for golf right now. Sure. Um, but realistically speaking, I think that the Phillips connection uh, to the McVay family uh, was, was very apparent. Uh, in terms of things I'd like to see get better, I want to see the Rams be more of a player in the free agent market. Unfortunately, um, they don't have very much uh, cap space. They have about $40 million, uh, before retaining anybody. Uh, and one thing I think would be wise for the Rams to consider would be letting the guys from the previous regime like Kenny Britt and Tremaine Johnson walk in and starting with a younger core. Um, I think they're both really good players. Britt proved his value uh, undeniably as you know one of the best Rams receivers in recent memory since 2007. Um, but I think I'd prefer to go with a younger playmaker rather than somebody who's getting older because uh, with the market value for both of those guys, it would cost about $20 million to retain both of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's half the budget right there alone. So if you replace them with young rookies in the you know second and third round of the draft, uh, you're immediately paying much less for potentially similar productivity depending on who the player is. Of course, they have to strike gold. Uh, this uh, front office hasn't drafted offensive players well. Yeah, but I think you have now four guys who can evaluate talent much better than anybody before, considering you know the Rams have gone through multiple offensive coordinators in the last few years, and they're obviously getting fired for a reason. It's a lack of productivity. They're not getting production from their players at all, or from their, uh, yeah, from their players because of their coaching in some ways. Uh, and I think with these four new guys, you know, bring experience with Cromer and with Olsen and even LaFleur and even McVay, uh, they'll have a better eye for talent. I haven't looked at the um, salary cap numbers and or thought much about free agency. Free, free agency, of course, uh, begins March 9th. Um, if they were, and we'll go back to my other question later, right. but this is on my mind right now. If they were to let Tremaine Johnson and Kenny Britt walk, um, Kenny Britt, older guy than Tremaine, Tremaine's sure. still in his prime. Um, but if they were to let these guys walk and say cut a few extra guys, are they in a position to um, be significant players in free agency? I think so. Um, Tremaine Johnson is probably about the second most expensive option right now for a defensive back. Um, and luckily, most of the core players right now for the Rams roster uh, is already intact for contracts moving forward. They have um, their defensive line. They have their linebackers. Uh, they have a pretty pretty interesting core on offense but I think where they really need to make a move is either uh, is, is by bringing an, an offensive lineman who we know is going to be more of a sure thing rather than experiment one, like wait, Greg Olson one well obviously <laughs> I, I think I think Saffold uh, has earned a spot um, I'm not too concerned about Tim Barnes um, but I think uh, you know this is not a one-year rebuilding project sure um, I think one significant offensive lineman who is maybe one of the best pass blockers or the best um, rush blockers in the game last year, uh, spending a decent amount of money on him uh, could be a really wise idea. I know uh, Zeitler from the Bengals is not expected to resign with Cincinnati. That might be a $10 million a year price tag, but that's also what it would cost to get either Tremaine or Kenny Britt. Um, you know, that goes back to your question of what do you hope gets better? Just eye for talent, both in free agency and uh, in the draft. Um, and, you know, being willing to take an experiment, but also, um, you know, just, just having a better talent evaluation overall, because obviously, you know, golf was misevaluated. Obviously Robinson was misevaluated. The players that were drafted after Robinson are just 
they're they're really they're really painful to look at you know you could have that's why you draft i think for talent over need yeah don't don't list their names (laughs) too painful um they did find aaron donald though so gotta give him credit look i mean i think that's a big fear i think losing that eye for talent on the defensive side of the ball they've found some gems um i'm a fan of a lot of these guys on defense i think they were maybe were system guys i don't know that LaMarcus Joyner flourishes under McVeigh, under McVeigh and, and, and Wade Phillips the same way he started to flourish under Fisher and Williams. Um, but some of these guys, you know, Tim McDonald and um, um, I, I'm a big, I, I still like EJ Gaines. I, I, he was coming off a really bad injury. I think he sort of got nicked early and was rushed into play. I still, I think we're he's going to be, Number one on my list of pleasant surprises in 2017. I think he's an NFL corner. I still remember his rookie year. He was better than Janoris that year. His their rookie their rookie year. He was better than Janoris. I uh, I also wasn't too concerned about losing Waffle as a, a defensive line coach because that unit in general is just so dominant. I love all of those players. Um, Aaron Donald is you know un- unspeakably lethal. We don't really even into how all of his credits that he's received recently because uh, it's everything you know Pro Football Focus and every other honor possible has uh, listed him as one of the best players in the game. But I think William Hayes and Robert Quinn are both really likable players as well that you didn't mention that I think have um, both a good personality for a team in a locker room and also talent on the field as well. And I also um, really like uh, Dominic Easley. I think he's a very, very good football player. Who, he's a free agent. Yeah, yeah. I think that's somebody I'd really like to bring back um, because he he obviously made a bit of a difference last season. I think he fits the system, especially if uh, we're switching more to a 3-4, uh, probably a less traditional 3-4. Uh, than Phillips has run before, but uh, I think he's a, he's a good fit for that three four. I'd ra- I'm going to say something controversial. I'd rather have Easley back than Quinn. Uh, Quinn's got a high number. Um, it's unlikely he plays a whole season ever again. I think he's playing lighter um, than he was earlier in his career. Um, I don't see him having the same burst. Um, He's always been stronger against the pass than the run. Um, I like his personality too. I do like his personality and I do like him um, as a teammate. Um, And I think he plays big, comes up big at crucial times. But if I have to choose between one of the two, I'm choosing easily. Things you didn't mention, um, Fisher versus McVeigh on in-game adjustments. Um, I think that's something that I we could stand to uh, improve upon. Um, Rams, probably most of their points were in the first quarter on the first series last year. I haven't when looked, they scored. Yes, when, yeah, um, even when very rarely in in-game they just didn't seem to ever come out of the half with something new that disrupted uh, momentum that already existed. Um, Except when Fassel tried f- trick plays when he was uh, being the interim head coach. Yeah, yeah. But those didn't really work out very well. Uh, I liked Fisher. I was a Fisher fan. I am going on record. That, uh, I, I do think that um, the the move to make would have been getting rid of Sneed before Fisher. Um even when I talk to you, what, what do you hope will get better? Person- <laughs> First thing you say is personnel. Uh, Sneed came from a player personnel background, dra- being part of the Julio Jones trade-up. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, I tended to 
um, have more trouble with Snead than Fisher, who, who I really liked as a leader um, and as a competitor. Um, and this maybe transitions into some of the things that I really hope don't worsen. Um, well, you go first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's one thing about Fisher is they always referred to him as a leader of men. That was just like such an archetypal description of Jeff Fisher that we heard so often. Um, one thing that, uh, that, you know, is pretty obvious though, is that his, his style of play ended up being a little bit archaic in the NFL in this, uh, more pass dominant league, uh, and more high scoring league and as offensive as adjusted, he just wasn't able to adjust with it. Uh, so I think, you know, things that I hope stay or don't get worse would, um, would have to would have to be Gurley first and foremost right. because uh, we saw a very poor version of Gurley last year um, and if if he gets any worse under uh, under Sean McVay and under you know this new offensive leadership um, then that was the weapon that we thought we had the most Goff we're still not really sure about I don't know what we're gonna get from him it could be better it could be worse but I think uh, you know I just I don't think he can get much worse I really don't. But Gurley, I'm not sure about. Um, I really think he's a very talented player. Um, but he was taking a lot of hits last season, and he didn't have that same explosiveness. So I, I really hope that you know he doesn't get any worse and he, he makes strides to, uh, to improve himself. One thing that I've heard NFL people talking about vis-a-vis um, -vis the Rams uh, this past year is a kind of tension of between Goff and Gurley, not personally, um, anything but in terms of personally, I just saw them tweeting about going to see a high school basketball game to yeah, each other. For Lonzo Ball's brother, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but you know, you've got Gurley as this sort of classic ground and pound running back who, you know, likes to run behind a pulling guard or a fullback. And, and, Goff, who's more of a wide open spread kind of offense guy. Right. He was running the air raid attack in college and uh, air raid attack doesn't really transfer very well to someone who has a rookie of the year running back as well. It just doesn't make as much sense to have gone with somebody who ran that kind of a system. Yeah. I mean, it also just doesn't translate to Jeff Fisher, like <laughs> whatever language he, he speaks offense. I mean, I think Jeff Fisher was ultimately looking for a guy who could complete a eight yard pass on third and seven. That's what he was looking for. Um, and that's not, Goff is not that guy. Um, I mean, you see Goff in person, he's not very physically dominant. He doesn't have uh, anything, like he doesn't have a cannon of an arm. Um, he, he's not, he doesn't have, he's not doesn't have the speed that Mariota or Russell Wilson has, uh, which kind of, you know, concerns me when you're trading up for that, but that's already been done. So, you know, when it comes down to it is just kind of what you said earlier, seeing how Gurley and Goff can play together moving forward because they don't exactly um, make as much sense for football reasons right. uh, in the same backfield. But uh, given, I mean, we're talking about coaching, given how we've staffed up, um, odds are that Goff stays longer than Gurley, given, what, you know, what these moves communicate about how they see the future of this franchise. Um, some things that I just want to throw some things in that I, I really just hope don't get worse. Cause there was a lot of good about Jeff Fisher. I've been a fan of this team for many, many years. The Jeff Fisher era, um, while it's not one of my favorite eras, 
it is definitely not one of my least favorite eras. Um, this team showed up. They played hard. Um, they were tough. I liked their style of, of defense, at least, and special teams. The aggressiveness, very... I, I don't know any Rams teams that I've watched as an adult that have played as aggressively. I like... Um, that they weren't afraid to take chances on on character guy, quote unquote character guys, which usually means somebody that's like tested positive for like smoking weed or like punched back somebody that was fucking with them at a bar, you know. So I, you know, I I love that. I I I I really hope we don't return to kind of a Spagnuolo four pillars kind of. Um, uh, evaluation of, you know, quote unquote, high character guys, you know, a lot of their best draft pick, a lot of the, the only draft picks that were really good in, in the Fisher era were, were high risk guys, guys that were labeled as um, maybe having um, character issues, Janoris, Alec Ogletree slips because of a DWI. Makes me wish they'd given a chance to Dak Prescott after his DUI in the yeah. third round. Yeah, pick that the DUI. Pick, yeah. pick the guy with the DUI. No, That's... ever since Warren Sapp. Anybody... <laughs> Warren Sapp is not an example of someone I'd like to have on my team, though. I don't particularly want a Warren Sapp, even with his productivity on the field. His, his off-the-field antics are too much for me. Warren Sapp? Oh, yeah. he's Some of the things he's, he's said in retirement. Just, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe not during his career. During his career, my God. Yeah, obviously one of the best defensive players, but oh, some of the things he said since then just make my brain hurt a lot. Sure, sure. A lot of these guys say embarrassing things, even plenty of Rams saying embarrassing things. If I were publicists of some of these people, I would not let them have yeah. a Twitter account, and yeah. even not somebody who's, who lives on Twitter or, or do very many interviews, because I worry so much about just some of the unfiltered things they, they Which say. Which is really interesting, actually, if, for the purposes of this conversation, because uh, the Rams conspicuously don't uh, hire any ex-Rams to this coaching staff. Kevin Green joined the uh, Jets, actually, as linebackers coach. And Marshall Falk was involved in the Sean McVay hiring. He was with he was at the dinner. McVay at dinner at Spago when, when Wolfgang Puck came out. And, and So was Fergie, though. So yes. what, does that, what, does that, what does that say? Sure. No, no less important in my <laughs> mind. But um, um, this is... Uh, yeah, be be careful playing with fire, man. Maybe it was because of maybe the experience with uh, Eric Dickerson last year. Um, That's that that relationship's not going to get worse. Talking about things that we hope that relationship can only get better. Sure, I think um, it's already gotten better. Yeah, he's yeah. he's doing fine. He's happy. He's got his attention, and uh, he's got his his opinion out there. Um, I'd like to see uh, continued open media practice for selfish reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know if that's something that McVeigh will institute or not, but that's something that was kind of unique about the Rams is that media was able to pretty much watch the whole thing and then, you know, get locker room access afterwards, which made a pretty, um, pretty good idea of who's who on the team uh, for those in the, in the uh, Rams beat. I think that, you know, a lot of the reporters you saw, Rich Hammond, Gary Klein, a lot of the guys who, you know, we're on that beat every day. All the Gonzalez from ESPN. Um, we're able to kind of translate via Twitter um, a lot of the personality types of these players. Um, Miles Simmons and Danny Kleppinger both did a great job internally as well. Uh, and I think that 
Rams media coverage in general uh, was pretty solid and they were pretty transparent. And I think a lot of that yep. had to do with the fact that they weren't very locked down. And I've, well, you know, they're not going to be when, as Bob Dylan once said, when you ain't got nothing, you got nothing to lose. <laughs> There's nothing to conceal. Yeah. Um, when you ha have such an unimaginative um, offense specifically, um, I guess you're not afraid to uh, that the word gets out that you know, next game, Tavon Austin's going to be doing another end around or targeted for a third bubble screen of the day. Thank you for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass. And thank you to Brian Kalbroski of USA Today's Rams Wire, an indispensable resource for up-to-date Rams news. If you like today's show, please subscribe, rate, and then review it on iTunes and recommend it to the Rams fans in your lives. Whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years or one year. You can get them whichever way, nigga. Trap turns axe. I beat the pot with a passion. Beat it up on the echoes on the mansion. My dad been the latest fashion. Bitches need a call casting.